Hey, are we on? Are we rolling? We are, we are. Welcome, sir. How you doing? Yeah, not so bad. Episode 6, time flies when you're having fun. I guess. Yeah, time's been flying. This whole summer's been flying. Summer is now gone. Yeah, and yeah same here. It's not officially gone, but the, the rain has come, the grey skies are here, so... So there we go. So you enjoyed it. I know you were on one last sort of hurrah uh, last week to you know wind down the summer and have a stag do or something. I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the regular listeners, Brian uh, and I, we uh, we went glamping in Cornwall uh, down on the <laughs> southwest coast. Uh, stayed in this amazing little place. Uh, so I'll give a shout out to King Harry's Ferries Glamping. Um, I might get a discount next time I go. Maybe not. Uh, maybe a surcharge. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, King Harry's listening. Yeah, well, maybe we've got raw listenership. So <laughs> surely, you know, if if uh, where's my glasses with the Kings of Calgary podcast? Surely we've just got a raw warrant now. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, and then rolled from Cornwall to Liverpool for a stag do. So uh, yeah, my, I was going to say my liver needs recharging, but I've just pulled myself a glass of red wine. So. Yeah, it looks nice. Well, I got my German beer here, so cheers. And uh, well, cheers, a virtual cheers across the continent. Yeah, welcome to the show, and cheers to, or prost, or however you want to say it, wherever you are listening. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, like you said, episode six, lots to, lots to get into. Um, you had, uh, do we have anything, anyone else we need to shout out? Anyone else we need to shame into listening? Well, this it, week it worked last time. We gained an extra two listeners last time. So uh, yeah, let's 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 continue that theme of shaming and naming. Uh, so <laughs> uh, this week's shout out is to Ryan, uh, also known as Booby, to his um, we'll say friends. He may he may think of us that way. Uh, it's his birthday last week, so uh, happy birthday to him. So uh, now he's got to listen. That's another one for the pot. Let's hope so. And like I said, we we. He's a mutual friend, so we can both shame if we need to to get him to get him on board. Yeah. And I think I think one of the best quotes I've heard from you in in that we've been doing this. I don't know if it actually made it onto an episode of where it was just one of our talks, but it was if uh, if everyone that was listening just went out and told one more person, we'd have double <laughs> the amount of listeners. It's a brilliant bit of math by you. So hey. You know that degree was not wasted on me. You know that is that is university education at its finest. Right, UK university education at its finest. Yeah, one of the finest university cities, uh, countries even uh, in the in the world. And I think well, I think the other shout out is that you're still here. You've not been sued. You've not been carted away. Um, as as of <laughs> For yet, truth telling. Yeah, yeah. That that's not a challenge. So I don't want you to you know come out the gates tonight. You know, swinging punches, but. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have you here. Otherwise, it would just be uh, the one Brad for you podcast. And, <laughs> you know, and two, as we've already decided, is better than one. So That's right. That's right. Well, you know what? You can't. I can't. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell the truth as I see it. And uh, I think that people would be upset and uh, let down if I didn't do what I do and put a filter on and try to rein it in for what? corporate sponsorship what am i looking for you know what am i afraid of this is what uh this is what the people come here for well the unadulterated you, brad you you say that now but i've just taken delivery of my new tesla that's been donated so uh thank you to tesla <laughs> and i'm recording this on my new apple mac that's just been donated by apple so thank you apple but you you keep going with the truth flash and um when you're homeless <laughs> and destitute on the streets 
Um, try and get in contact. Obviously, you won't have a phone or any way of contacting me, and uh, I won't be accepting your calls because you'll be a homeless bum. But you know, do try and get in touch, and you know, if 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 I can, I'll throw a few euros to to help you out. Okay, well, as long as it's euros and not the British pound, I'll I'll, I'll take it. I'll Ooh. take it. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what currency the uh, Brits could be taking over. They could be taking over Olympic medals after our uh, coming second in the Olympic table. Yeah, not, you know what? I was surprised. Um, I mean, <laughs> the Russians were half the Russian team was banned, so I mean, you kind of you got lucky there. Uh, China. Well, well, yeah, what happened to China? Wow. Yeah, and what amazes me? So yeah, half of Russia were banned or excluded due to their previous uh, impropriety. Yeah, impropriety with drugs, basically. So you know, clean them. But I've still heard of a handful, if if that, of people being excluded from drugs. So I, either they haven't released all the test results yet, or the messages got through. Is this possibly the cleanest Olympics we've ever had? That's a good question, actually. I, my, so yeah, this is this is we we discussed like why we why record video for these shows, but I think some of the facial expressions would be good on the video because I just gave like a really disgusted face. <laughs> Because of course, you know, in in my truth telling ways, I'm going to say no. There's they were there was cheating going on. Of course, there was. Obviously, uh, I don't why, know why they... let truth and facts get in the way of a good story? <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah, no, I, you're right. I haven't actually heard of any high profile, um, no. you know, exclusions or you know people being stripped of medals and stuff. So maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so so, so th- I'm going to give another shout out for fear of corporate sponsorship. But well done to Team GB. I think I think uh, I think. What are they going to sponsor you with? Well, are you going to get like one of those slick unitards with the uh, Union Jack on it? And jealousy doesn't suit you, Flash. <laughs> so if I do get one of those unitards with the Union flag on it, then so be it. Um, but no, <laughs> I, I think there was a lot of expectation going into the Olympics for Team GB after. 2012, and you know we did so well there. But uh, I, I don't think in our wildest dreams the the public thought they'd do this well. So, yeah, good on them. A small small island nation fighting above its weight. All right. Well, you know what? Congratulations. Thank you. That's very kind. And congratulations to wherever Canada came in that medal table as well. Yeah. Well, our expectations weren't very high. <laughs> well, they never. I can see. They why. never but, are for the sum. Hey, like I said, like we we don't have to go into it like we did last time, but summer's not our game. We're a winter nation. Well, so. yeah, yeah. I'm just enjoying this now because come winter, when the well, two years time when the winter Olympics on, you'll piss all over me. So yeah, yeah. I'm just en- I'm just enjoying the high life now. I enjoy these two years. You know, this could be a regular feature. Just a shout out to each individual Olympian on the team GB <laughs> team. They got a medal. Actually, it might yeah. take it might take us longer than two years to get through all the medals that we got. Um, yeah right Ooh. but then you can return the favor at the winter olympics so yeah i don't know to be honest even then it's it's tough it's one of these things that's like you know it's tough to gloat well as a canadian no, it's just quite against easy. my nature it's quite easy um, well i'm saying as a canadian it's <laughs> one against my nature and two the shit that we gloat about nobody cares about so it's kind of <laughs> like you know it's the one guy in the room being like you know it's like it it happened all the time in the office um, back home in Canada when we had people, you know, from India or Pakistan or whatever, trying to brag to you about cricket, and you're like, 
I don't give a shit about cricket, man. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So if you won, you won. Good for you. That's how Canada is with all of our, you know, it's like hockey. People are like, what? Ice hockey? Yeah, okay. You're good. Good job. There you go. Little pat on the head, you know. So we can move on. But um, the Olympics did bring a few other stories. It did. Not yeah. drug related, but, uh, well, disease related. Zika was the big talk, right? Uh, um, yeah. And, you know, the fear of Zika, a lot of people pulled out. Some high-profile people had pulled out of the Olympics for fear of Zika. Um, and do we know? That's another thing. Like, how are we going to, when when will that news come out? When will we see the, the cases being traced back to Rio? Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's the interesting piece. So, yeah, on, on the news here, the WHO have come out and said there have been no confirmed cases Ah, we were right, you know, all you naysayers, all you doubters were wrong. Um, but yeah, it's like, well, surely that's a little bit, is that not a little bit too soon to say? Okay, there's no immediate, people haven't been reporting immediate symptoms, but I thought part of the concern was the longer term effects. So, yeah, well, I mean, I don't, this is actually, we should have looked into maybe like what the incubation time or whatever is for Zika, but I imagine like if anyone got it at the Olympics, they would be showing symptoms or, they would have passed it on now. But I guess the thing with, with Zika is that the the real effects are in, in during pregnancy, right? So people yeah. won't know. You know, people will be infected and, and maybe not know because they'll just have a bit of a flu or whatever, uh, flu-like symptoms rather, and then, you know, who knows? So um, I was reading today uh, about a group that was trying to sort of model the risk of Zika spread. And the big things are air travel and climate, right? Because it's a mosquito-borne uh, disease. So you need the right climate for the mosquitoes. There's been warmer temperatures all across the Northern Hemisphere. As it's been every year, the Northern Hemisphere is getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Um, so that's, you know, good breeding conditions for the mosquitoes. But what they really don't know is, you know, what what mosquitoes are best at transmitting it. And so... This study that I was reading sort of identified a bunch of places in sort of North Africa and uh, Asia, the Pacific Asia region that, you know, sort of might be the next hotspots because of there's a lot of air travel going to these places. And I would imagine after the Olympics, you know, the athletes traveling back, this is the thing. Um, but they really don't know, you know, are the mosquitoes there? How, how good are they at transmitting it? Which mosquito species is best? Is that the one that, you know, is more in urban areas or or not? Um, so there's a lot of unknowns about it. But I imagine that, you know, we could see a wave of, you know, cases in, you know, whatever it is, six six to nine months or something um, where, yeah, we see they can actually trace it back to the Olympics. I think they, they traced the original, the Zika in Brazil. They thought originally it was the World Cup, people coming to, to see the World Cup. That's what brought Zika to South, uh, South America, Brazil. But then they actually said it wasn't the World Cup. It was either before or after there was, I think it was a rugby, a rugby tournament or something. And they figured that that's where it came in because those South Pacific nations that are all into rugby came. Right. And that's where Zika was at the, at the moment. That was the, where the outbreak was. And then it, and it flipped over. So. I don't know. There's there's quite a few unknowns with it, but 
I, I think it's a, personally, I would think that it's a little early for the WHO to be like, we were right. No yeah. such cases. I mean, it seems like that's a statement that's bound to come back and bite them in the ass. Yeah. I like the pun again, the biting in the ass. Um, yeah. And the, the article that I saw was talking that, um, mosquito activity, because they've been obviously monitoring the mosquito activity because of that being the vector for it. And they actually, despite all the predictions that actually mosquito activity was going to go up, actually mosquito activity in August went down. Hmm. Um, so there were two arguments. Was that one just climatic and just, or just chance? Um, and then secondly, they had put, you know, mosquito control protocols into play. So was that, was that part of it? But yeah, again, it seems a bit early. You know, the advice that WHO was still giving out is pregnant women should stay away, you know, that, you know, take precautions, you know, long sleeves, whatever. So they're obviously not saying it's gone away. And then the next thing they say in the article is, well, actually, we think it's moved from Brazil and we think now the biggest risk is in Asia and Africa, obviously, you know, with malaria, mosquito hotspots. So they're now saying, mm-hmm. what, two billion people are at, are at risk there? So it's just like... Yeah, well, and that was the, that was, like I said, the study that I was just reading that sort of identified these spots in Africa and Asia. And it is, it's moving into the rainy season, I guess, there which is going to increase mosquito activity. And in some of the places they identified too, it's, it's, there's a socioeconomic um, factor as well in this. I know some stuff uh, came out from Brazil where they were looking at, you know, which communities were sort of had the most mosquitoes or were affected by these things. And it, and it really is poor communities. You wouldn't think that, you know, mosquitoes would, it's not like mosquitoes are like, ooh, we like poor people better. You know, they can't, af- they can't afford mosquito spray, but that's kind of it, you know, is that the control measures, I'm sure, at the Olympics were focused on where the athletes were and focused on where the tourists were and stuff like that. But, you know, the communities that, you know, nobody gives a shit about are the ones that are, you know, don't get that sort of attention. And then there's also even things like small things like rubbish, you know, um, trash for North American listeners, garbage for Canadians. Um, Good translation. Yeah. (laughs) That's littered around, uh, that's littered around the neighborhoods, you know, that collects water, like old tires and shit like this, you know, like people don't think about it, but like anywhere that there's that sort of refuse, you know, there's going to get puddles and things and that's going to breed mosquitoes. And in some places, in some of the poor communities in Brazil, they were talking about how, because there's no, or there's unreliable um, wells and fresh water, people store rainwater. So you have these giant sitting right. bins of rainwater. And I mean, the people need to do it because they need water uh, and they're not getting it from anywhere else, but that's like mosquito heaven, right? So you're going to get, um, so you're going to get more of these kind of diseases. And it's going to be the same in some of these, you know, Asian cities that are super packed with lots of people and have those poor areas as well. So yeah, Zika's on the move. And it's like, I guess if it's like, if it goes from South America back to Africa and Asia, it's done the yeah, round the, the world and it's done the loop. What is it? Round the world in 365 days? Well, well it's been slightly a bit more, but yeah, I was going to say slightly, slightly more than the 80 days of uh, Phileas Fogg, but, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, you know, infectious disease, viruses, it, I'm just not going to leave the house. I've basically sealed all the windows and the doors. Um, I'm buying oxygen in. Uh, you know, screw you, world. I'll be safe. That's a weak mentality, bro. 
Where's your immune system? Huh? You ain't got well, no my, immune system? You can't handle that? My immune system is locked firmly into uh, locked... Uh, her, I almost said hermaphrodite sealed, but no, let's not do that. Yeah. that would be hermetically uh, hermetically sealed. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. D- definitely hermaphrodite is not right. Um, <laughs> I am not locked inside of hermaphrodite. You know, despite <laughs> what those internet rumors said, nothing was ever proven. You know, yeah. it was just uh, you're just you're accusation. actually a, a hermaphrodite locked into a male body. You just identify yeah. as a hermaphrodite, but you just haven't been able. No one's given you enough support yet for you to come out as a hermaphroditic, you know, binary, neutral, gender cross, polymorphic individual yet, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. those are the right terms. I don't know if those are the PC terms. I'm pretty sure what I just yeah, said is you, totally PC. Well, of course, you always just say the truth, Dash. So you yeah, just throw it right. out. All, I, all I'll say is I'm a uh, a modern age man that also is in touch with my feminine side, and I think that's all the listeners need to know. So <laughs> yeah, I'm comfortable just, with who I am. That sounds like um, a really shitty, you know, dating profile video or something. Yeah, <laughs> I think that as long as people just know that you know I'm a modern guy, I'm a sensitive guy, I'm in touch with my feminine side. I think women like that, and uh, I'm here. My name's Brad, and if you want to give me a call. I live at uh, no. I'm not going to give out your address. <laughs> well, back to the, back to a few minutes ago when you were asking about we should be able to not just do a podcast but a video cast because your facial expressions in there were absolutely amazing. In fact, they yeah. are they are up here in a certain bank only for myself. <laughs> if you know what I mean, listeners. What can I say acting, acting. <laughs> well, thespian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is. Um, you know, this, this, I don't know if you want to call it a, a tension or an undertone that this conversation is kind of take, uh, kind of links to a bit of the more of the, the virus talk as well. Because one thing we didn't touch on with Zika. You've got an STD. Is that what we're touching on? Because that's what, that's, that's how you were building that up, Flash. And that, I love you dearly and you know, I will get you the right help that you need. But I'm very glad now there's about 800 miles between us and you're not in any sort of physical contact with me, you dirty boy. I'm not about to come out on on air with uh, any symptoms that I may or may not have. No. Okay. Good. But I was going in that direction, and that, that is a transmission route for Zika. You know that um, I don't think that has been fully, you know, understood in terms of the spread as well. So. I thought you were going to say you were going to offer to investigate the sexually transmitted <laughs> route of Zika. You pervert. Well, no, this moves this moves quite perfectly into my next story about Ebola. Ah, yes, our old favourite. Bring it back. Bring it back. Our old favourite. Our old favourite. I really feel like we should have some sort of music when you know when it gets so. But we really we really need the Ebola update splitter. But I think just in general, our viral updates. We're going. We might go viral with this stuff because it seems to be something that we are focusing that we're focusing on. But we're Ebola. Not, we're not cold, we're hot. Go with the Ebola. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's got, uh, whether you knew it or not, it has the sexually transmitted component as well. And this was the big news that I heard about. They've found... Just while you were at the clinic. <laughs> getting tested. I was, not, I was not part of this study. I was not part of this study. <laughs> but uh, they found that it can last in men's semen for up to 565 days. Wow. 
the virus. That's a long time to persist in an individual. Now, what they didn't show was whether that was still infective. Okay. So they have shown that for up to two-thirds of a year, it can be passed on sexually from a man to a woman. Um, but this was just sort of a monitoring. They were just sort of monitoring men who had survived the infection from the out, the African outbreak. And they still found virus particles 565 days after infection, which okay. is a really, really long time. Now, I kind of tend to think that maybe, you know, because we haven't had a lot of flare-ups and stuff, that it's not as infective in this route this far along. Because you'd think if, I don't know, I'm kind of just yeah. totally talking out my ass here, but if it, if there was that many men that survived and it survived and the Ebola survived in them for that long and they were sexually active... I hate to say it, Africa's not known for its yeah, safe practices count. with yeah, yeah with sex. So you would think that you would see, I don't know, a more persistence. And I, I haven't actually looked at the numbers of so, the cases uh, and stuff that are going on still. But Okay, so the, the two questions that come to me, one, one humorous, I guess, and one not. So firstly, how long is it surviving gastric juices? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way we cure it. That's the, yeah. that's the first thing. The second thing, so was it the, the actual virus they found or was it parts of the RNA or what? I believe it was RNA. Okay, so it, it effectively it traced it. So, it, yeah, yeah. so it could be, as you said, the virus isn't active. It's not, not infectious anymore, but there's still a trace of it. Yeah. yeah. There. Okay. Which means that it's, it's floating around somewhere. Now, do you know, this is, I should have looked this up, but uh, that could actually be a, theme of the podcast i should have looked this up um <laughs> but is 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 ebola an rna virus it's a dna virus right Ooh, um yeah, yeah i thought i was being fairly fancy by saying rna for viruses because uh, well this is the thing my if... immunology is poor what we need what we need we need jess to live tweet in she's the immunologist yeah, our, our one immunologist listener. Maybe we've got more. If we do, then please, you know, tweet in, dial in, call in, phone in. I'm, uh, uh, maybe we should ask that. But otherwise, well, otherwise, you can just use Google if you don't want to rely this, on our listeners. This is exactly what I'm doing right yeah. now. Okay, screw you, Jess. <laughs> we don't need your help. We've got Google. So basically, your PhD is worthless. Uh, uh, Google has replaced you. Yeah, the Ebola virus genome is a single-stranded RNA. RNA, yes! I was right. So... For people, that may not, for people that may not know, viruses can either be DNA or RNA. Um, we won't go into the differences of the two of them, but they're two molecules, basically, that can encode genetic information. DNA is the more common one. Um, RNA, some viruses are purely RNA. Um, so, yeah, okay. So, so Which makes okay. you think that it could, if there's traces of RNA in, in the fluid, then it could still be infectious, but I don't know. Um yeah. Well, then I was just wondering if. Okay, and then I was wondering if because I know some of the vaccines that are out there, they're having they've had trouble with some of the. Don't smile at me. I've not said anything yet. <laughs> I was just thinking of your previous comments. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you could stomach my previous comments. Um, <laughs> That's the one. Is there? Is there a? My understanding was some some of the issues they've had with the vaccine is a they've just not been effective and b attenuating the virus is quite dangerous. 
mm-hmm. for the, you know those attenuating it because you don't want to come in contact with it. So I was just wondering if there's a way of um, okay milking the semen to basically <laughs> use that you know as a form of okay well there's exposure to the virus can you confer some immunity from that without it being infectious and that's why we're not seeing the spike. Okay, okay. So taking the virus out of the semen and then using that as the basically Pot- well potentially use that in the vaccine or naturally is that's what is that what is occurring in in real life situation if you like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i have no idea i do not know enough about vaccines to no i i, I don't Plus know it, it so, would depend it would depend on the what segment of rna it is too right like because you need a proper vaccine target right like so yeah. the, from what i understand the way the vaccines work is you want to target an area that you know isn't going to change that much because if you make a vaccine for a gene in the virus or an area of the virus so that your your immune system can recognize that virus if that then changes the vaccine is useless and you know viruses are notoriously good at mutating or quick they're quick mutating things so if you design a, your vaccine to look for a specific segment of the virus and then that changes it's it's useless so i don't know what segment they're finding in these men or if it's just a random sort of strand or if, yeah all good questions i which i'm sure the who's on what's they've, they've never dropped the ball before right well yeah I, I hope somebody out there is working on it i don't i don't think we can solve all the world's problems flash yeah, we're um, trying though well we are we, we are trying um but you know i <laughs> I, I feel a weight of responsibility with my personal commitments and some of my professional ones. I, I can't commit to, you know, this as well as, you know, world peace. You can't commit and, to milking all that virus? Um, again, I'm in touch with my male and female side, so I'm not really into milking uh, <laughs> the uh, the virus from the semen, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, as much as I am in touch with that side, I don't want to be in touch with that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, who knows? What's the space. Well, there you go. There's um, it's uh, it's it's a it's a job that somebody has to do, and somebody's <laughs> out there doing it. And uh, we'll give a shout out to them for uh, for doing the dirty work, I guess. Well, yeah, indeed. The final bring, bring a tissue. <laughs> uh, uh, well done. Um, <laughs> That's, the, that's, uh, uh, that was nicely said. Well, well, well done. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm trying to. I'm I trying like the to positive like, feedback. You're trying yeah. to get off of this topic as quickly as you can, aren't you? Yeah. Well, get off of the topic. Oh, yes. 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 I am. <laughs> um, no, I, I I just have one final tidbit on on the Ebola stuff, and it was um, shifting to a, a another aspect of it was um, modeling some of these diseases like Ebola and other diseases, um, is a really big thing in trying to predict um, future outbreaks and, you know, cope or manage, I guess, outbreaks and whatnot. So disease modeling is a, is a, a really interesting field in my mind. Excuse me. But it's often um, difficult to do because you need... You know, you need to understand all these variables, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Zika. They don't know all the aspects of the mosquitoes and the tra- and how well they transmit and things like this. So it it 
makes for a poor model. You have no predictive ability with it. But for some of the hemorrhagic fevers, um, Ebola being one, Lassa fever being another, and one that actually just popped up in Spain, which I think you tweeted about, the Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Uh, yeah. This is the one that just came through in Spain. So it's transmitted by ticks, actually. Just in time for a conference I'm going to next year, uh, next month on ticks. So. Yeah, right. Well, wear your long pants, I guess. Well, my pants always need to be long flash. I need to cover myself up. <laughs> we just can't escape this. Like, as much as we try and keep it highbrow, it just goes right back into the gutter, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, there was a, the modeling that they were trying to do with some of these things is always difficult because these, these viruses, these diseases all um, originate in an animal source. Uh, so they all start in animals. Um, like I just said, with the Congo hemorrhagic fever, it comes from ticks. Lassa fever, I believe you get from mosquitoes. Ebola, which some people may or may not know, we still don't really know what the host animal is, what its natural host is. It's believed to be bats, but there's been no real confirmation of that, um, which to me is just I don't know, terrifying and fascinating all yeah. at once. Uh, on the Where's My Glasses podcast, I've gone off on this topic many a times. But um, so this is like this has always been one of the challenges they've had with mod- modeling the disease, because the re- the way that humans get it is with this initial contact with animals or animal product, whether it's feces or blood or eating an animal or it's a tick or it's a mosquito, something like this. So you have that initial contact, which is called spillover. Uh, so the virus has spilled over into the human population. And then basically from there, you can get human to human transmission, but it generally kind of declines. It's never as, it, it's sort of what they call a stuttering out effect. Right. Um, and so you have in, in order to kind of sustain the epidemic, uh, in or the outbreak in the human population, you need continued contact from an animal source. So it's really difficult to for the modelers to find, you know, when they're looking at transmission, is this a new spillover event or is it a human-human contact? Um, and to sort of sort these two out when you're just dealing with patients that are coming in and trying to find a model that accurately predicts, you know, both those phases of the epidemiology, both those phases of the disease outbreak. But there's a group that has come up with a model that they say accurately does so um, and is better able to, you know, um, sort of predict these outbreaks and therefore allow the healthcare managers, you know, uh, a better picture of what's going to happen, what they should expect, things like this. So it, it bodes well for uh, for future outbreaks, which I'm sure we'll have of, of these diseases. Um and like we mentioned last time, the yellow fever uh, outbreak that was going on in the Congo in Angola, um, it could help there too. Although that one seems to be, they say they got it under control. WHO says it's still a, it's still a concern, but it's moving away from a public health emergency. And one of the cool facts about that one is, like I mentioned last time, it was they were undertaking this massive vaccination campaign in 10 days they managed to vaccinate 7.7 million people in how many days 10 10 days wow 
That's insane, right? Yeah. Well, That's they're just putting it in the water or what? Yeah. <laughs> well, now you sound now you sound like a truther. The government putting things in the water. They're hey, I all. didn't I didn't imply any government infecting any water supply with anything. <laughs> you jumped to that conclusion, my friend. So hey, again, I'm just get here your to tell the truth. I'm just here to tell the truth. And you know what? Does that that large amount of uh, vaccines that they just did 10 days 7.7 million people let's see how many uh, cases of autism come out of that too huh? Ooh, <laughs> just tell them the truth here just tell them the truth chemtrails chemtrails oh, Look it up. Yeah, yeah 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 let's not get on the chemtrail i, I don't <laughs> want people knowing where i live and then coming to burn me down because i'm a naysayer <laughs> oh that is a big one right the chemtrail people yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I think had, you, uh, you touched on that. I think in "Where's My Glass," and I had to go and look it up. But there's a, there's a. I'm not sure if you mentioned it on the previous podcast, but there's, there's a film all about it as well. I believe I've not seen it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. The chemtrail people are, they're out there, man, and they're, they're like the, the flat earthers. There's a big flat earther community out there too. That's just you know really vitriolic with their hate for anyone that disagrees with them you know their viewpoint i had a funny like that was like four or five years ago when i was an undergrad i was working at a uh, like a furniture store uh, in lethbridge the town where i went to university and one of the one of the older ladies that worked there she got her son a job you know in the warehouse with me he was a younger guy so i was probably like 22 and he's like 18 or something like this weirdest dude he spent all his time on YouTube watching these kind of chemtrail documentaries and stuff and <laughs> taking mushrooms. And it was just like a bad combination where he just got sucked into this wormhole of, dude, you don't even know. Like, you got to open your mind, bro. You got to open your mind. Like, well, that's what the mushrooms do. On. They open the mind, don't they? Oh, yeah. 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 And I, you know, personally, I think there's a time and a place for them. But when you mix them in with crazy, <laughs> uh, conspiracy videos and, uh, you know, just this guy's sort of naivety and susceptibility to this stuff. But like, literally, we would be like, you know, as you do when you're part time job that you don't really care about, we were outside just kind of dicking around. And planes would go overhead, you know, and leave the the jet burn, the afterburn. And he would start yelling at the planes. He would stop what he was doing <laughs> and yell at the planes. Fuck you. Fuck you. Government. This chemtrails. And he'd look at me and be, see, man, see, see, chemtrails, buddy. We're getting sprayed right now. What do you think is going on? And I'd just be like, uh, dude, that's just. Vapor you in know, the sky. This is vapor in the sky, you know. <laughs> Man, no, I'm gonna send you these I'm gonna send you these videos. I'm gonna send you these videos. You gotta watch them. You gotta watch them. You gotta see. You'll see. You'll see. You gotta open your eyes, bro. And I was just like at the time I was just like, Wow, this is crazy. And it's amazing that like, you know, six, seven years later, really, this is still a thing. Like and it's it's probably even more like I hear about more about it now than I did back then. Yeah, this guy was my introduction to it. But it's amazing that these sort of I I don't know, I guess ideas. Is it amazing? I don't know. That these ideas can persist. I guess YouTube and the internet is a perfect place for that kind of shit to breed, but Well, the cam the chemtrails are still persisting. So, you know, for as long as they persist, the believers will follow. So Prince. Prince was a believer. Well, and look what happened to him. 
Maybe he knew too much. Hey, I, I, I don't want to draw that conclusion, but I'll leave that to the listeners. They're, you know, they're an informed bunch. But. <laughs> Do you think that's what Purple Rain was really about? Oh, good point. Yeah, maybe. Let's go back and next episode we'll go line by line through the lyrics and, <laughs> and analyze it for, for truth, for the truth. Well, yeah, let's, let's not. I've got to be honest. So I'll listen to the song happily, but let's, let's not go through it line by line. That's true. Since when, do, since when should we be trusting uh, uh, celebrities for our uh, important news, you know? Well, exactly. But so I'm going to, I'm going to take your infectious disease slant and I'm going to well, stay within the infectious disease slant. So, um, devil facial tumor disease. Uh, not, I'm not talking about you, Flash. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disease that affects the Tasmanian devil. And it, it was in the news news today. It's one of only three infectious cancers in the world, which I, I had no idea there were even as such things as infectious cancers. I knew there were viruses that cause cancers that are infectious. But yeah. I had no idea they're directly infectious cancers. That is... Um... I had heard of it, like, and I've heard of this one in, in Tasmanian Devils, but, like, the process still, like, so it's like, if somebody rubs their tumor up on you, you get it or something like this? So, like, how does it... so that, well, they, again, as we said with some of the other things, they still don't know for sure. They think the cause is Tasmanian Devils are known to be very territorial and they fight a lot, so they think mm-hmm. it's spread by saliva when they they bite, uh, and the mm-hmm. most common place for them to get bit is they, they don't back down, so they will bite on the snout and around the face, and then that's where the tumours come. So I think there's a couple of schools of thought of, originally was it just the trauma that causes it, and then suddenly there's a hyperplasia of the cells, and that then becomes the tumour, but no, it's, you know... Wait, 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 wait. Hyperplasia? Yeah. What's that? Uh, now you're testing me. I thought I was being all clever just dropping that in. So hyperplasia yeah. is just the overgrowth of the actual cells right, themselves. Right, so right, the, right. the cells react and then just go, we're just going to grow a big growth of yeah. cells here. So they've been attacked, they've been bitten or something. There's, yeah. there's some sort of stress or yeah. breaking of the cells and yeah. then they just sort So of rather multiply. than just the normal healing process, the body goes, Ooh, hold on, I'm going to blow this out of all proportion yeah. and get a proliferation of cells. So that was one part, but then they no, they'd actually isolated because this, this tumour is malignant, it spreads to other parts, so it is a, a tumour piece. Um, but the good news for the Tasmanian devil, there is good news in this story, it's not all bad, is that they are actually evolving to fight the disease. Hmm. Uh, so the guy that, um, I'm not sure if he's published the work yet, but he was uh, talking about on uh, some of the media outlets, uh, was basically saying that uh, they've been monitoring three different populations of Australia, of the Aust- mainly the Tasmanian devils from Australia or parts of Australia. Don't call the Tasmanians Australians. I've heard that they don't like that. Well, and then they turn into devils. <laughs> um, so, okay, so there are three distinct populations that he's been following. Yeah. Maybe in Tasmania, maybe in Australia, maybe in another part of the world. I don't have the details written here in front of me. What I do have written in front of me is that this guy, you know, basically there's no connection between the populations. You know, there's mm-hmm. enough geography between them. But all three are showing the same trend. So what they're showing is mm-hmm. that actually the same two strands of DNA are under selection pressure and are starting to change. And the I think they've got 14 chromosomes, but um, the genome is actually changing at this distinct point to confer um, immunity, if you like, against against this cancer, um, but in all three populations. So it's not as if it's just natural selection of 
okay, well, you're dying out, therefore we're surviving. It looks like the genome is actually mutating to fight against this cancer. Weird. Uh, yeah, which I, th- I, yeah, it is weird. You know, it's non-viral, so it is just transmitted devil to devil, uh, so to say. Um, mm-hmm. But all three populations are, are picking up on it, which I, yeah, what's causing that? That's amazing that the body's have, fighting back. I, <laughs> I have so many questions about that. So many questions. For, I mean, first of all, I mean, the obvious, I think the obvious one is, is how is like, I'm still I, you know, hung up on the transmission thing. Cause I, it, the, the one thing that it makes me think of right away is prions, uh, prion yeah, yeah. disease. Um, so prion disease is like the, um, mad cow or chronic wasting disease. And it's basically a protein, which everyone has. We all have it naturally occurring in our brains. But for some reason, in some individuals, the protein changes the way in which it's folded. And then that causes the plaque in your brain, which destroys your brain. But as soon as normal proteins come in contact to, you know, misfolded proteins, they all start to misfold in sort of a chain reaction. And to me, that's kind of how I sort of view cancer too, right? Because it's like cancer is a normal cell that's basically some sort of genetic change in it that allows it to grow unchecked and then cause a tumor. And then, you know, the malignant ones will spread to the cells will break off and spread to other areas of the body and you get these growths. So the fact that some sort of, well, what, what you said they were hypothesizing is in fighting. So saliva or something like this. Yeah. Causing the cells to then, you know, expand hyperplasia i believe is the term you used uh is is really interesting but then now i'm just thinking i wonder it's like is it an actual is it a factor that's being transmitted from one devil to another or is it injury would it could it just be uh you know maybe a a hyperactive immune system in tasmanian devils that when they get scratched like I, i guess i wonder if anyone's looked at that like does it have to be devil on devil fighting or if a devil fights something else and gets scratched maybe it's just like a hyper overactive immune system almost like an autoimmune disease that then causes the cancer what's going on there and then if so maybe that's where these genetic changes are coming in 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 tampering down the immune system or something but yeah i had a bit of a uh, endless rant there because i'm sort of thinking on the fly about it but that's really fascinating yeah it's an interesting one so i think um when you look at the 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 cancer type i think they've they basically said it's uh sort of a neuroendocrine type tumor um but you see those arrangements throughout the cells so it it, it, you know it's maybe if the immune system does have a part in it maybe but it is you know it's a cancer cell that causes it um and it's very similar to um Dogs have a, uh, come back to our other topic earlier, they actually have a sexually transmitted disease, which is very similar. Um, hmm. It's one of the other three. I'm not sure what the third one is, actually, but effectively um, you see it in breeding dogs quite a lot. It's a transmissible venereal disease that effectively is a cancer, not just a disease, it's cancer. Well, I guess that's like um, that's like HPV, right, in humans, that they it can lead to cervical cancer and things like that. Yeah, so that's so that's actually the virus that then goes on to cause cause the cancer, whereas this is actually just the direct transmission of the cancer. It's not a viral uh, agent, it's the cancer. 
Okay. And that's the that's the big difference. That and is so bizarre. Yeah. It's scary in some ways because I had, as I said, I had no idea these type of cancers existed until I sort of saw this and then dug into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, scary if the cancer's knowing what nature's like, scary if cancer was to fight back and that's what it moves to, that it becomes an infectious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. disease. That, you know, that is scary. But, you know, one back for biology that, you know, these Tasmanian devils are fighting back and their actual genome is changing to to fight the disease. So when you say that the genome is changing, it's like, it's still, it has, it's a selection thing, right? Like generations that specific area of the genome is changing in order to now it be resistant to to getting the cancer to develop yeah, now, now you're testing my actually... genetic yeah. knowledge so yeah so, <laughs> so yeah yeah I'm, I'm out on a limb with this one but yeah effectively the piece that i read was saying that um it's not it's not like a natural selection you know whereby you know these people get disease and these people don't. Therefore, those that get disease, they all die off. And, you know, right. like bacterial resistance, you're alive. Yeah. The difference with this, you know, is that effectively that genome is changing. So what they've identified on the chromosomes are, are two DNA segments specifically that are under selection pressure. So they are changing with natural, uh, maybe not natural selection, but under the pressure of, yes, you have it or no, you don't. But then the genome around it itself is changing. And then what they're seeing is in these three distinct pockets, similar changes are being seen in all three. So it, it's not as if, okay, there's a population up in the north, say, that mm-hmm. half of them are dying out because they get disease and half don't. It seems to be the genome in each is changing whether you, whether you look at the disease mm-hmm. or not. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, an, in, an interesting one. So like almost like an, like an epigenetic change. Uh, maybe if you tell me what epigenetic means, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, um, uh, so epigenetics is like the things that control which genes are expressed and which aren't. So they know that environment can influence, um, which genes get expressed. So in certain individuals, like stress or something like this, will make some genes be uh, overexpressed or underexpressed or turned off or turned on. Um, based on environmental factors. So maybe it's something like that. It's like the disease is actually triggering some sort of change in the DNA around it, um, a target site or whatever it is that's, that's, you know, expressing different factors, immune or otherwise, that somehow combat the disease. Oh, yeah, interesting. So yeah, I was just yeah. having a quick look now to see if there's some more information that I'm trying to read under the pressure of being live. Yeah. Um, doesn't give much, but it says there are at least four strains of the cancer, uh, and the cancer itself is evolving, um, and they think becoming potentially more virulent. Mm. So, the, so the cancer is changing, um, but it's part of the problem is that the the devil, the Tasmanian devil's immune system, um, they have a low amount of um, MHC, major histability complex type one and two. So they actually, when they get infected, they don't actually recognise it as a foreign cell. And that's why it spreads so easily because the the body just sees it as self-host or doesn't recognize it as an antigen. Um, right. And therefore it just sets up, turns into cancer and the body's screwed. So it sounds like then what is happening is the genes are changing to recognize it potentially as a foreign host because right. presumably they're still being infected, the disease is still there, and then therefore they're fighting it off. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so 
because the major, the MHC is the, basically the gene that codes for all of your antigens. So your, ant or your antibodies yeah. and antigens that basically go out and search for any foreign body and that invades your body and look, it's like a lock and key system. If it recognizes it as not your body, it will, you uh, prompt the immune system to attack. But if it doesn't, then it can remain in the body and multiply and become the cancer. So the fact that the, the Tasmanian devils have a low number of MHC genes means they don't have a lot of searching capacity for foreign objects. And they're more likely to recognize or not recognize this thing as a foreign body, which allows it to get inside and then multiply. Interesting. Interesting. So they had a shitty immune system and we're seeing it, you know, step up to the plate. Yeah. In real time. Yeah. That's what it seems to me. I, I think the other thing that we've learned is that we are parasitologists and not immunologists. Um, <laughs> I think that's the other thing that I've learned from this whole disease process. Yeah, it's true. It's, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, explain some of these things for people that may be listening that don't know the, the, the jargon and stuff like that. That yeah, includes me. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I was just going to say the same thing, which is also us too. So if you're listening, hopefully you're learning with us because we're yeah. working this shit out. I don't know about you, Brad, but I do have a Google pages open <laughs> to, to try and sort it all through. Um, well, yeah, I, and I'd also really give it, yeah, I would also give a shout out to any listener that knows more than us getting you know every every day is a school day so i'm always willing to learn so any listeners out there want to get in touch and help guide us through this murky path uh feel free always uh always willing to learn a little bit more yeah definitely definitely um and it seems like you know we've kind of last two episodes we've taken and we're i guess we're maybe finding a bit of our niche and what we like to talk talk about is diseases and things like this uh, <laughs> and because puns. we are we are parasitologists uh, by by training, I guess, by trade. Well, and, I'll clarify. Uh, You're a parasitologist. I'm a, I would call myself a pseudo-parasitologist because I, I love it, but I'm not formally or classically trained in it. But I take a keen interest. I'd say the same about me. I kind of fake my way through it, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a oh, lot of people What are we on about now? Are we on about parasitology or your sexual life? What are we... <laughs> Uh, are you calling me a parasite? Uh, no, no. And uh, I'm going to change the subject quite quickly. So here's, here is a, here is a, here is a segue, which if this doesn't get us a signed radio podcasting deal, I don't know what is. So we've covered, you know, many topics today, but is it better the devil you know or not in terms of politics? That is the hot question that in what? Two months' time, our American listeners are going to be facing. That's right. That's right. So, you know, there is always that option. And, you know, Flash came out last time. And, you know, Cthulhu uh, is who Flash will be uh, supporting this year. He doesn't get he doesn't get a vote. So all you fanaticists out there, don't, you know, don't attack us or burn him down or shout him down. You know, he doesn't get a vote in the electoral system in, Ameri- in North America, in, in the United States of America. The, uh, I mean, in general, what doesn't matter what I say. Why would anyone listen to me? Sorry, did you say something? <laughs> Hilarious. But I will say, as always, yes, 
Cthulhu, Cthulhu 2016, at Cthulhu for America. Check it out. This is brilliant. <laughs> Why vote for the lesser of two evils when you can vote for the greatest evil? Yeah. That was so, the one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I did like your the devil you the devil you know or the devil you don't because our our good friend Trump uh, in in his efforts to um rally the minority vote basically said just that in a in a speech to uh, African Americans and he went on about your schools are shit your your unemployment rates uh, of your youth is 50% uh, you know, all this stuff, your communities are falling apart. You know, what have you got to lose by trying something else? What have you got to lose? Was his message. I Maybe, maybe that works for some people. I don't know. But um, like I said, last podcast, I think we, we focused a lot on Trump. We know what he's about. We know what his campaign strategy seems to be. Uh, that was, I guess, an interesting an interesting one in his attempt to court minority voters. Hey, what do you got to lose? <laughs> Maybe it works. I don't know. Yeah, but the interest- our livelihoods, money, finance, yeah, yeah, safety yeah. of the rest of the world. <laughs> Nothing really. Nothing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but I did say that I wanted to speak about the other candidate, our other, our other of the two evils, um, Hillary Clinton, because, you know, the more that Trump sort of speaks, he, he sort of takes the media attention and it really does seem like, um, from what I read online and stuff is that, you know, CNN and some of the other, you know, uh, I guess liberal media outlets, if you want to call them that, um, have really sort of got behind Clinton and are really going full bore in Clinton. And everyone's on that side of the ledger is basically like, Hey, we can't have Trump. We got to go for Clinton. It's the lesser of two evils. But she's not really great either, which I think is sort of coming out now in the last couple of weeks because she's sort of disappeared from the campaign trail. She's taken a break, said she's taken a break, prepping for the debates and all the rest of it. But during this time, a lot of new stuff has come out about the email scandal and the Clinton Foundation is really you know under attack right now. And although with the Clinton Foundation stuff, it doesn't really seem like anything illegal has happened it sort of gives this you know establishment image that donald trump has been using and that a lot of people have you know bashed hillary clinton for so basically the clinton foundation is this big you know um what's the word philanthropic organization that bill and hillary have set up and it's sort of come under fire um for receiving donations and it looks like people that have given large donations have been granted preferential access to Hillary Clinton while she was Secretary of State, which I'm sure happens all the time. Like, this is the kind of stuff that gets dragged up in elections. You know, they try and look for any sort of impropriety that we can find and drag you through the mud and stuff. But it looks as though, and I guess what's different is that this has come out in her email scandal. So she also has this email scandal hanging over her head, which is like, if anyone else did what she did with the emails, they would probably be at at the very least lost their job. Like if a CIA guy had set up a private server for confidential emails 
and was using a private server for all of his, you know, CIA emails, that he would be done for. Yeah, possibly even charged with treason. Yeah. So, well, the bit the bit I saw was that uh, in part of her defense was that there was next to pieces that were highly classified or classified. Uh, there was a C mm-hmm. in brackets in terms of. Um, and she said she thought that was um, paragraph markings and not C for classified. But so there wasn't an A or a B or a D. There was just randomly little Cs. And she thought, oh, that's a break for paragraphs. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any other paragraphs yeah. numbered. But I won't ask any questions. I'll just keep this on my private email. So, yeah, it's a bit it is a bit odd, if you ask me. Yeah. And so, I mean, that right there begs... It, begs the question okay are you just that daft yeah or are you lying you know and which in which one is better you know is there in this I, situation i don't i don't think there is exactly and and it's so you have all these emails your secretary of state you're dealing with all of this information you're prone to information on potential drone strikes upcoming drone strikes they're marked with a c which in your briefings, you were told is confidential. She also claimed that she was concussed and at some point during these briefings or something and doesn't remember what the C was for. Like, this is the kind of... Maybe C was for concussion. Maybe it was. I, you know, like, but this is, this is the kind of stuff that's coming out with these email leaks. Uh, and also the stuff about the Clinton Foundation that I didn't, I started on and I didn't get to. Um... So it's, it really, yeah, it, it begs this question. It's like, okay, you're saying all these things and you're making excuses for these gross negligences or gross negligence of conduct and the rest of it while you were in one of the highest positions in the Obama administration, Secretary of State. And so are you really just unqualified for the position, which is what yeah. she's always saying about Trump? Or you're just lying to everybody after the fact. You did whatever the fuck you wanted to do, and now you're lying about it. I mean, the Clinton Foundation stuff, which again, I keep now teasing, but I'll get to, is it kind of shows it's like it's sort of boilerplate corruption. You know, it's like you donate to our foundation and we'll give you a little something in return. You know, like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, which is basically what the most political systems in work on. the West yeah. to work on, you know, and there's, so there's this is being highlighted and stuff, but the fact that some of that information about that foundation is coming out because of her gross negligence with these emails, it's kind of, it, it, it almost amplifies it because it's like, you didn't even think that someone would get a hold of these emails that might be, you know, paint you in a bad picture as you're going into the election. It's like, you didn't think of this. How, like, is it, is it really, is it just arrogance or is it stupidity or is it like, what is it? Because, and, and this is the, the lesser of the two evils that people are supposed to choose between. And it's mind blowing because it, I, if, if it was me, like in the, as, as an American voter, obviously Cthulhu, number one, obviously <laughs> that goes without saying, you mean, I, beyond that, Gary Johnson, libertarian. Yeah, I would. How many Americans know about Gary Johnson? I don't know. He's, they're going to decide within the next weeks if he even gets into the presidential debates, which is, you know, 
not very likely, but it would be interesting if he did. So what do you face with? You're faced with this, this lesser of two evils. The devil you know, the devil you don't know. The devil you know is pretty shitty. You know, and it's and it's becoming more and more obvious how shitty it is. Devil you don't know, I don't know. It maybe it's starting to look like more of a chance, you know. In the words of the man himself, what have you got to lose? That's the scary thing. I think well the other thing that came out since we had the last episode was his uh, Trump's medical letter, his doctor's letter that came out basically saying, you know, he would be the fittest person ever to take office and then yeah. And and then, but then the follow up from that of the doctor coming out and saying, "Well, actually, the letter was dictated to him, and he just signed it." But do you know of a doctor that would do that? A, a reputable doctor, in which that to me was just unbelievable. It's just like, well, hold on here. But then, and when you said about Hillary taking a break, because she she has disappeared from the campaign trail compared to mm-hmm. to Trump at the moment, and I think one of the accusations he threw out was, well is she taking a break because she's not fit enough to hold office? And I think that's what then spurred him to, now he's making a big push to release medical records. Yeah. And so I, I don't, yes, I think you should declare your tax, your money, where that's coming from. I think there's then a grey area around your medical records. Yes, I probably want to know if you've had some sort of illness which is going to impact on your ability to do, do the job. Have mm-hmm. you have you been signed off with stress in the past? Because you've been signed off with stress in a cabinet position or while running a company, chances are we're running a country. The stress is probably going to ramp mm-hmm, up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little, you know? Well, I mean, I guess it's a valid question and it's an interesting question about like how much, you know, because so much of these people's lives are scrutinized, you know, like they go back. It's one of the things that like immediately, you know, rules out most people for running for office is, you know, what were you like in high school? What did you do in college? You know, like how many presidents have had to be like, I never smoked weed or what was Bill Clinton's? I did, but I didn't inhale. You know, it's like, it's bullshit, you know, like these are the bullshit things that people focus on, but is personal health, you could see how that would be something that you might want to consider when voting you know I, yeah i don't know it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a touchy one but if if she's physically unfit for the job and can't remember confidentiality <laughs> briefings because of a concussion i mean well, i don't yeah. know and that's what yeah and that's one of the things you know what why? So is it because she's got an ulterior motive? Was she doing something with those emails on a private server? You have to kind of doubt that. What's she doing? What's she doing? Selling it to the Russians or the you know? Yeah, doubtful. Yeah, yeah. Doubtful. So then, is it arrogance of well, I can do this because it doesn't make any difference, or I'm all powerful, or is it just plain stupidity? Now, if it's arrogance, that's something that needs to be dealt with. Because that's unacceptable. If it's stupidity, should that person be running a country that of all one of the most powerful countries in the world? It's a good question, but but it's also, I mean, like, let's be real. People had to set this server up for her. So it's not like she, I mean, maybe she was, you know, just the dictator at the top being like, no, I don't. I don't want to go through all these extra hoops of security because that's annoying to me or it takes up my time or I don't, you know, like, I don't know what the emphasis, what, yeah, like you said, what the prerogative for setting up this private server is. Yeah. Um, 
but somebody did it for her and said, wow. okay, well, I guess we'll do this. And I mean, these people are never in isolation, right? Like they, they have a team around them, yeah. right? Which is, yeah. is, is, is the thing. So I don't know, to me, that lends to arrogance, I guess, but in then, the sense uh, that like, you would think that there'd be someone on the team that would be like, ah, this isn't a good idea. What I don't know is how did those emails get to the server? So was it, was it she was then forwarding it from her at whitehouse.gov.us address, whatever it is, to that server? Because, okay, well, I want to read these later and I can't access this from home or wherever. So if I forward it onto this, mm-hmm. this email server, I can get it. Or, or what was it? Or was she, did people not think it was suspicious when she's like, yeah, yeah, here's my business card, but don't send it to that email address. Send it to hillary at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, from what I understand of it, like it was like she had this thing set up in her home, like in her bathroom, I believe. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I got a lot of shit to do. Literally in the taking, bathroom. Yeah, exactly. So I need to do two, two at once here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if I wash it down afterwards, it won't get a virus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got Purell right beside it. I'll be fine. So, yeah. Yeah. I, it's mind-blowing. And I guess this is kind of the thing about it, too, is that this kind of stuff, I don't know how much it impacts the voting populace because it's not as easy as to to sort of attack as when Trump says... They're sending over their rapists and they're all rapists and criminals. And I'm sure some of them are good people, but let's be honest, you know, like that's a really easy statement for media to, to, to jump on, you know? Yeah. Whereas this email stuff, like I think you can tell just from the conversation that we were having, you know, we have to do more digging into it to be like, well, what is going on here? Like, why did she do this? What? And, and I think it's like, as we're doing this digging, we're almost trying to justify it for her. Fact of the matter is, it was wrong. Like, as a government yeah. official in her position, it was, whether it's arrogance, stupidity, whatever, it, it almost doesn't matter because it was a really dumb thing to do. Like, a terrible thing to do in terms of, like, national security, which you're supposed to be in charge of. So, there's, you know, that. And then all the... Like I said, I keep talking about this boilerplate sort of corruption stuff that goes on with the Clinton Foundation, which they never, like I said, it, 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 it's not, it's not illegal per se. There's a gray area. So, you know, this sort of pay for access, you know, you donate to our foundation and I'll grant you a meeting. It doesn't mean you're going to get anything out of it, but you know, the optics aren't great. Let's be real. There's probably some deals being made there. President X. President Bill Clinton, you know, works at the foundation and he's sort of been put under the microscope of, I guess they have a fund in the U.S. um, set up for ex-presidents to make sure that they don't go poor. Because I think it was Truman when he left the White House was just like had nothing and like lived in poverty for the rest of his life or some shit. So they made this, you know, fund where it's like no ex-president will ever suffer what he did because that's not right. And Bill Clinton, who, you know, him and his wife make millions and millions and millions on speaking deals alone, on book deals and on consulting through their Clinton Foundation. He has withdrawn the most money from this fund in the, you know, out of all the ex-presidents. 
So, and, you know, it's like, I, I'm kind of conflicted because I always liked him, you know? It's kind of, you know, he's a charismatic guy, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And the, the news, the, the fun stuff hasn't really hit over, over here, I guess. But, yeah, it, it makes sense to me that there should be a fund set up that they receive a stipend or a, yeah. a salary afterwards because, you know, I guess times have changed, haven't they? So now it's very easy for people in that position to go out and do the after-dinner speech circuit or consult for a business or whatever. So I get there are ways of making money. But, I, you know, they have served their country, so I think there should be some sort of mm-hmm. pension scheme, almost, for them to do that. The same as, you know, for other jobs or, you know, military service personnel that, you know, when they leave the service... There's an amount of money that they they get as a, a regular income, so I, I get that. But yeah, interesting that he's been taking more out well, than and, everyone and this, else, and and it gets it gets even more sticky because they can't tell where that money went. It looks as though that money went to pay salaries for people at the Clinton Foundation, which they Clinton's profit from. So it's like you're using yeah, the ex-president's fund for, you know, for yeah. paying salaries. But then there's a claim that it's like, well, you know, illegally you could, you, he could use that money to pay some of the set. Like, but because he's, they say he, you know, like in all the roles that he does, he's using different hats, you know? So it's like, rather than try to track all the money, you know, individually and go through all the bureaucracy, it's easier to just say, Hey, I'm going to take a chunk from here. Trust me. It's, it's within my allotted thing. And if I use it here or I use it there, it doesn't matter. It all sort of is legal and, and blends into this whole thing. But it's like the doing the paperwork to be like, well, this I'm doing as an ex president and this I'm doing as the CEO of Clinton foundation. So if I take my ex president money which is my money, and then I decide to put it into the Clinton Foundation to pay these people, you know, so it's just all this gray area, but it's just like, it just doesn't have a nice look to it, you know, and it doesn't have a nice ring yeah, to not, it. Yeah, it's not a nice clean feel. It's yeah, it's like a kid's been through there with sticky fingers and touched everything, and now yeah. everything's a little bit tainted. Well, and it just, and it goes to that whole, you know, like, this is the establishment. This is the status quo. This is what you're you know but i don't i honestly don't think that trump is above it either i mean he's been taking meetings with a lot of donors um that he was slamming you know marco rubio for taking meetings with these people during the primaries and now he's taking meetings with the same people you know that are that are donating money so it's is trump really that different he talks the talk but once you get into office, will will it will it change? I don't know. Yeah, I, I imagine it's going to be very hard for whoever comes into any situation like that to change the status quo because there is such an inbred institutional memory that you're going to be trying to overcome, isn't there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the way we've always done things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. And, you know, maybe things need to evolve. So, you know, with that presence fund, okay, right, from here on in, it's limited, you know, you get a hundred thousand dollars per year as your base salary. Thank you for your service to your country. Do what you know. Do what you want with that. Mm-hmm. Then what you know, if you're then in a situation like the Clintons are now, where you know they're taking money out of a potentially charitable foundation, then that's another that's another matter altogether. But here's a set fund. It's not means tested. You get this regardless of you doing eight afternoon speeches a week or none at all. Choice is yours. Yeah. It just, it's like you said, I don't, 
how is anyone that comes in going to change it? I mean, and where's the incentive to change it? As soon as you get into the club and it's like, okay, you can be, you know, the the really pious guy that's going to change everything and, and, and you know, not take bribes and not do this well, you're not going to last long and you're not going to get anything done. So there has to be a certain level of gamesmanship that you use in order yeah. to get it through or, or you burn the whole thing down. And, I, I, you know, I don't know how you burn the whole thing down, but a match, you know, people say that that's a good thing about, yeah, <laughs> good one. Thank you. You're welcome. But pe- people have said this about Trump. Oh, that's good that Trump, you know, he's exposing the establishment. He's expo- the, the establishment is being thoroughly exposed on both sides in this in this whole thing. But is it going to is that going to change it? I, I don't know. I still don't think it's enough. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's our, our latest update. I mean, the only the only one who truly could burn down the establishment is Cthulhu. Um <laughs> And you know, take take the nation to where it's it's been da- it's been destined to go. <laughs> take the world since, to where ever, it's been ever since to go. they ditched the British, really, they've been destined to go down. Yeah, it's just been a little while in the making, but you know. Right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lighten the the mood before we uh, maybe think about yeah. wrapping we'll things finish, up. We'll so, finish. We'll finish off on some bright stuff here. Well, let, let's try to. So. Um, in the news I saw today, in some uh, strange news, uh, if you're having a hard time relaxing, you're a little bit stressed, um, we often listen to music, uh, and it seems that uh, our feline friends do the same. So there's a guy, he's actually a cellist with the US uh, Nat- National Symphony Orchestra. Um, he's released an album of music for cats. Huh. Uh, it started by it started as a, a crowdfunding project, um, and he raised enough money and he's, he sold ten thousand copies of this album uh, via the crowdfunding. And now a major record label uh, have uh, picked him up and released it. It's the first ever album designed for non-humans. They've publicised it as, um, and it's meant to recreate. Um, Tones of, uh, of maternal nature are quite relaxing. So they've said that by all accounts, some cats just ignore it and walk away and others sit there and relax and purr and pull at the speakers and seem to totally enjoy it. Bit of a novel. So basically, they play the music and some cats act like cats and other cats act like cats. So we don't really know what's basically, going on. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but this, I, I, would, I think I, I was going to say, I'd urge our listeners to, I don't know if it's on Spotify or something, um, but give it a go. Tweet us in if it works for your cat. I, I unfortunately don't have a cat anymore, but I've got some friends that do. So I'm going to, I'm going to maybe, maybe I'll, I'll sit down and do some scientific experiments if I can get a copy of the album. Uh, when I say yeah, scientific, well, until it'll then. be more, I go around just playing music at cats and I'll see if they respond. But, yeah, yeah, it'll be very anecdotal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, until the cats, you know, are on Amazon writing, you know, reviews and stuff. But like, it's just, it's such a, you know, you know what I will say? Good on you, man, for taking your wow. cello career and, and making a couple bucks out of it. Because that is, you know, but I mean, I mean, he should go into homeopathy next or any other Ooh. sort of 
charlatan snake snake oil sales <laughs> sort of business because he clearly has a knack for it. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm keen to listen to it though. I'll listen to it and see if it if it relaxes me, then I'm I'm on board. But well, the cats, uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, cats don't give a shit about anything. Well, so, and, except for lasers, they they well, love lasers. They love a laser. That I know. They love a laser. Yeah. So on the article, so well, the other odd thing is the guy is actually allergic to cats as well. That's right there. So that's even more I'm brilliant. Not, Why didn't yeah, he start a religion? He, this is like Joseph Smith for cat music. Um. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit weird. But uh, yeah, on the video clip I saw, it was hard because the music is quite classical in origin. But then there was. At the same time as the clip that I saw, and I read the article, and then I was like, okay, I've got to gun this up. So all the, the clips I looked at, there was purring in it. And I couldn't tell if the purring was from the cats that were in the clips or if the purring was in the music. <laughs> He's just added a track. Look at how much they like it. Listen to that. And he's just added a purring track. Uh, wow, that's something else. Yeah, bit of another one. Okay, well, I mean... You know, if you can if you can cash in on the cat market, that's that's a gold mine. Other than uh, being one of the first to invest in a casino in Vegas, I think cashing in on the cat market is is the way to go if you want to make your your internet millions. We all know how much uh, people love their cats, so wow, yeah, and then they'd be perfectly happy. Oh God. Yeah, you're welcome. You can have that one for free. So, uh, so yeah, so that was what I had to end on a on a, a lighter musical note, lighter note overall. So. Okay, well, that's just kind of soured my taste to be to be honest, because I, ugh, it's so ridiculous. It's not soured the milk for you, has it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, 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 well. Then let me let me give you the summary of where I think we've been on our journey today. I was just get, I was uh, just going to say I think I'm ready to find out. You want to go and listen to some music for cats? I I know where you're going with this flash. So yeah. Um, <laughs> first up, uh, potentially, I, I've one of the summaries is that maybe there's a marketing opportunity for you here to maybe set up a whole uh, Rosetta Stone type thing because your ability to translate between Canadian English, American English, and then, uh, I'm not going to call it English English, European English, uh, with your trash, yeah. rubbish, garbage, that that was that was slick. So I'm thinking there's, a, like there's that, an opportunity eh? for... Yeah, I did. I, I think there's a chance you there. Um, I think the other thing we learned, uh, and I think this is good to make clear, that I am in touch with all of my sides. Um, but I'm not willing to milk a bale of sealum, sealum, semen. Uh, that's, that's where I draw the line, uh, definitely. Uh, and though I think the last thing we really learnt, uh, apart from Keturu 2016, is that you and I are both infectious. I think we've got infectious personalities, infectious smiles. If you could see us, we are infectious, oh. but we are not virologists or immunologists. So I think we need to get some, uh, specific input from some of our specialist listeners. So I think that's our, that's been our learnings for today. Yeah, one, and I haven't been tested in a while, so I don't know exactly how infectious I, I may be, and I don't know about you either, but thanks for the shout-out on that one. Well, you're welcome. I'd, I'd like to shout out that I'm not shouting out that I'm genuinely infectious with a disease. It was more <laughs> figuratively speaking with, you know, personality. Oh, yeah, stuff. right. But, yeah, of course, just, what was I thinking? Yeah, let's clarify that. Thank you. 
Yeah. What was I thinking? Uh, so but yeah, if we yeah, could get uh, if if we go, my friend, go go go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, it's, uh, you're breaking up a little bit over the last little, little bit here. So if the audio sounds a little weird, that's it's quite emotional. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. That's yeah. That's why. Um. Yeah. No. Thank you for the summary. Um. It would be great to get. Uh, yeah. More people. If you if you know anything about any of the topics that we that we discuss, please let us do or please do let us know. Um. That would be great. You can hit us up. Hit me up on Twitter at bvampiredon. You can hit Brad up on Twitter. Uh, yeah, at Bradley W. Hayes. And then obviously now we've got uh, the show Twitter at 2 brad for you. We've also got our own Instagram page now, which is uh, 2 brad for you as well, which um, we won't touch on today, uh, but the Courgette Zucchini Challenge uh, we'll touch on next time <laughs> round because there could be some big updates. I don't want to give too much away, but there could be some big updates uh, next That's time round. They definitely could. They definitely could. We'll see if if the if the weather holds. But yeah, great. The last thing I want to touch on is purely a Canadian topic that anyone in Canada will know about. Um, it did, I think, reach uh, the BBC, Brad, in your in yeah. your country, and it's the the Canadian band, the Tragically Hip, um, amazing band that is. One of the most popular Canadian bands. They've never really made it big, I guess, in other markets, which has always befuddled us Canadians. Um, but they've, you know, their number one, their albums are always number one in Canada. They've been around since 1989, um, so almost four decades of making music and touring the country. And it's one of these bands that just, whether you love them or hate them in Canada, you know their songs because they're everywhere. Most people love them. Um, but the, earlier this year, their front man, the sort of face of the band, the guy that does all the interviews, and he's just such a charismatic and awesome uh, stage presence. And he writes these amazing lyrics that are very poetic and often really rooted in Canadian history and Canadian culture, which is something that we don't normally have. Most of our big acts um, leave and go to the States, you know, Neil Young is one of you know my favorites but he left Canada at the age of 1920 to go to the US to to get that market cuz to be honest there's not a huge market in Canada so it's kind of a, a, a tough position to be in but this is one of the guys and this is the band that sort of made it a point actually to be Canadian and to be there and not I mean they did try to break into the other markets and they they made their music and but it's very Canadian, and he was diagnosed, Gord Downey, the lead singer, was diagnosed with incurable brain cancer earlier in the year, um, and still decided to go on one last tour across the country, which they just completed a couple weeks ago. August 20th was the last show, and our national broadcast, um, the CBC, it's the equivalent of the BBC, but for Canada, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, broadcast the entire concert commercial free no interruptions no censor anything like that two and a half almost three hours of a concert it bumped olympics coverage it was you know watched across the nation there was viewing parties all over the nation every pub had it on there was giant screens set up in public parks 
you know, or outside of, you know, the hockey arenas and stuff to watch this thing, yeah. because I just like, it's, it's really amazing how much this band, um, strikes a chord with Canadians and, and means to people. I wa- I stayed up till six in the morning here in Germany, watching it online. And it was an emotional experience knowing that this might be one of the last times we see this band perform, um, and see Mr. Gord Downey perform. Uh, the prime minister was at the final show. So it was just a really, it's a really, it's a tough thing to, to describe how much it, what a neat phenomenon it is. I think that like a whole group of people from a certain geographic area, a certain country can sort of get behind one thing. And it was a really, really, I, I don't know, I think interesting moment in not just for art and, and, and me as a fan of the band loving it, but just like as an interesting sort of human moment that all these people could get together or sort of have this connection with this group so it was a pretty electric thing to see so i just wanted to you know bring that up and anyone from canada that's listening you know go hip we love the hip it was it was amazing and hopefully we see something more from them um although gord he looked uh he did his best and and admirable that they did a whole tour Canada is not easy to tour across. It's a big distance with not a lot of cities to hit in between. So, yeah, pretty amazing. So I think with this episode, I'm going to end us off on a song. Um, the, the the last song that they played at their last concerts, Ahead by a Century, was one of their biggest hits um, in Canada. And beautiful song. Take a listen to the lyrics. It gives you a sense of kind of what they're all about. But... Uh, I would encourage anyone to to listen to the hip and Brad. I've sent you a bunch of albums. You so. have, yeah. I'm gonna have a have a listen. I, as I said, I, I I don't know them, but what what's really amazed me, you know, even before the the diagnosis, I remember you mentioning them. And what what I've really noticed, especially when you were over and we talked about it, is how passionate, as the listeners will have just heard in your um your words there, how passionate you are about that, and you know, then when you convey that and. You know, I, I think I forwarded you the link because it, you know, it hit the news here and the news couldn't sum up the passion of, you know, the Canadian people, but it, it did a reasonably good job of conveying how much of a national treasure they're seen. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the song on the way out. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go and give it a listen later on tonight to uh, just uh, see what all the fuss is about. Well, I would, um, I would love to, you know, in a future episode, if we if we get to it and you get a chance to listen to it, I'd love to hear what your take is on it. And maybe I could, if you would indulge me, I could go a bit more into it because there is so much, there's so much below this, like so many subtle references to Canadian things and stuff like that, that people may just, may not get that. And I think it's one of the things that, that makes it special, uh, the music. Um, and again, it's it's like I said at the beginning of the show, it's stuff that you know, Canadians brag about, but nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not necessarily like, this is not like things that Canadians brag about, but it'd be stuff that you wouldn't know. And for us, it's like, we hear that and like, Oh, that's really neat. Oh, that's cool. Did you hear what he said? And you know, so it's kind of interesting in, in that sense. So I, I am really interested just to hear what your first impressions are of it Yeah. without yeah. that. And then maybe with some context, it might be more interesting for you. Maybe a, a little fun segment we can do. Um, self-indulgent for sure for me because you know it's it's, it's, our, it's our show so yeah that's right that's right okay well good show thanks thanks for allowing me that little little tribute at the end and um 
yeah, we gave out the Twitters and everything. And so yeah. we'll, um, we'll see you on the other side. We'll leave a little break and we'll get to some hip here, but, uh, good chatting with you, bro. Yeah. And you and, uh, catch you next time, my friend. All right. Sounds good. Take it easy. See ya. This is our